0: How many of you are ready for the Word of God this morning? Are you excited about the Word? Amen. If you don't have a Bible, we always provide free Bibles. There's tables in the middle here and on the sides. Go grab one right now. Seriously, like just get up and go get one. We want everyone to have a Bible that comes to church. And those orange notebooks, those are free for you as well. We believe in taking notes, it's important. For God, you have opportunity to speak to us in a service, and as God speaks to you, you write those things down. And throughout the week, you can go back and you can look at it. I use a lot of Scripture as I speak because I want you to hear from God, not from me. You build your life based on the Word of God, and you won't be on shifting sand, amen? You'll be on the rock. So today, I want to bring us, as we talk about Resurrection Day, to Luke chapter 24, would you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 24? Let's go ahead and start there today. I'm so excited because I get to talk about the cross and the resurrection. I mean, this is, this is like a candy store, I mean, we get to celebrate Jesus, to celebrate the cross, to celebrate the new life that we have in Christ. And so I pray today that your faith rises, even some clarity of some things happens as you kind of hear the word this morning, you begin to understand a little bit more about what's been made available to you. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe today you're here and this is the first time you've been in church in a long time, and you know that you're far from God, I hope today you feel the love of God drawing you home today, reconciling you to himself, He's not condemning you. He is so excited that you're here, that you're listening right now. He is leaning over heaven, hoping that you understand how much He loves you and the life He has provided for you, and you can walk out of these doors with a brand new life. Amen? Luke chapter 24. Have you found it in your Bibles? Luke 24, verse 1. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared they had found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, and so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified. They bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Yeah. Come on. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. The Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. We're here to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord. We're here to understand why he died on that cross and what it means to walk in new life today, this resurrection life. Open your Bibles, if you would please, to the book of Ephesians, because for us to really value what he did, it's important to understand what our position or standing was with God before we say yes to Jesus, before he did this. Ephesians chapter two, If you're new to your Bible, maybe this is the first time you've opened one in a while, you can go to the table of contents. In the table of contents, the Bible is broken into 66 books. That's the first word. Ephesians would be the name of the book. And then it's broken into chapters, chapter one, two, three. And then you'll see the little numbers, and those are verses. That'll help you track with us today. So we are in the book of Ephesians, chapter two, verse one. Are you ready? Verse one, once you were dead, because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclination of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. I'm going to pause there for just a second. I love how the Bible uses past tense for those things. You used to be under the devil's foot. You used to be pushed around by your sinful nature, but when you've given your life to Jesus, that's not who you are anymore. Come on, somebody, say amen. Amen. But I also want to remind us of this, and those watching online as well. Sometimes people have this thought that I don't serve Jesus, but I don't serve the devil either. The Bible only speaks of two kingdoms, a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness. And you, my friend, you don't get a kingdom. You're either serving Jesus or you're serving the devil. Now, he may let you believe you're in control, But the truth is, is you're following a path he's putting in front of you, and you'll end up in the same location he is. We have to understand that, because sometimes if we don't realize that we're on a road to death, if we're on a road to destruction, if that we do have a master, your master is either the God who is love, the God that would come and die for you and take your place, the God that would go to hell for you and come back, the God that would give you the keys to eternal life, or you serve the god of this world that may give you everything your lustful passions want, but at the end sin will take you further than you want to go make you pay a price greater than you want to pay and make you stay a whole lot longer than you want to stay you either serve jesus or you serve the enemy you're either in the kingdom of light or you're in the kingdom of darkness and the good news today is if you find yourself in the kingdom of darkness god isn't there sticking a finger in your face trying to make you feel guilt and shame, God has given you a door of opportunity. God is giving you a way out. God is giving you a stone roll-away moment so you can come out of your grave into new life. Amen? Amen. Verse 4, this is talking previously that we used to serve the enemy. We used to be pushed around by our lustful desires. Verse 4, but God... Don't you love the but God moments in our life? Where the enemy's stealing, killing, and destroying, then but God comes in. And whenever you see that, that means it doesn't matter what the enemy was doing. Let's look at what God's about to do. Let's look at what God is doing right now. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ Jesus. So what this is saying is this. We were dead. We were lost in sin. We were under the devil's influence. But God was giving us mercy and giving us opportunity to be given grace that we didn't deserve. And not only does he forgive you of sin, Not only does he forgive me of sin, but then he positions you in himself to be seated with him in heavenly places. See, this good news isn't one just that you're forgiven of sin, but you've been transformed into someone, a son or daughter of God. And you've been given access to the throne room of grace to find help in your time of need. And we couldn't earn it and we couldn't qualify ourselves for it. No one in their own good works and good merits could say to God, I'm good enough to stand in your presence. So Jesus took all of our payment. Jesus took all of the cost of our sin and he was, it was placed upon him on the cross and he paid it in full, nothing left. And today what God is offering you is not just forgiveness, but access, a new identity, authority over the devil. The same devil that used to kick you around in Christ, he is now under your feet. He doesn't get to call the shots in your life anymore. You can resist him and he has to flee from you. You can speak that name of Jesus and he has to get out of your house and get out of your kids and get out of your businesses and get out of your health, amen. He didn't just forgive you of sin. He sets you with Him in heavenly places. He's positioned you, amen? So God, verse seven, can point to us in all the future ages as an example of His incredible wealth of grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all He's done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Verse eight, God saved you by His grace when you believed. It's not when you die and go to heaven, Today, if you will call on the name of the Lord, He will save you right this moment. In this instant, you go from death to life. In this instant, you go from slave to free. In this instant, you go from no authority to having the backing of heaven. Amen. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this, it's a gift. Now, like any gift, you do have a part to play. You have to say yes. You have to receive it with open heart and open arms. Say, Jesus, I accept it. Amen? Amen. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. You know, we need to hear that again and again. I don't care how long you've been in church. For some reason, the longer you've been in church, the more we forget that and we we feel like we have to go back and re-earn everything Jesus gave us freely. Can I even speak to those of us who have been in church a long time, and maybe the devil's been kicking you around lately with guilt and shame. You never earned the goodness and the love of God in the beginning. Amen? And even though sometimes we feel like, well, I should have known better. Yeah, maybe. But the grace is still there. And the blood's still covering you. Amen. So none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things He's planned for us long ago. Let me talk a little bit about the cross and the resurrection. I asked this question while I was preparing for today. Why was Jesus crucified during Passover week? For some of us who are kind of unfamiliar with church, you might not have realized that this historically in the Jewish you know, Israelite kind of Old Testament traditions and ceremonies and calendar, there was a specific week, it was called Passover. And Jesus, this week that we call Holy Week or this week where we celebrate Easter, it layers perfectly over Passover. This this tradition, this this ongoing generational ceremony that the Jews would, would have done for thousands of years. Why did Jesus have to die on Passover? Why did all this happen on Passover? And I want to give you a little bit of a history lesson, if that's okay, because I think it'll add some value to what's being offered to you today. Luke 22, verse 14 through 15, just kind of showing you the time and season in the Jewish calendar. Luke chapter 22, 14 and 15 When the time came, Jesus and his apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. See, the the last supper that we've seen painted so often in our history books, the last supper was a Passover meal. Jesus was excited. He's saying, I was looking forward to eating this particular Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. I want you to see that this all happened during Passover. There's some truth in this. I think it's going to be a blessing for you today. The Passover, the first one is found in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus, chapter 12. You can write it down. I'm gonna kind of give you some highlights about it. But in Exodus, chapter 12, you'll see there's the story of Moses and the Israelites. How many of you ever saw the original Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston? Anybody, yeah. How many of you saw the Prince of Egypt? Come on now, one of my favorites. There can be miracles. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. I'll just leave you hanging on the rest of that. It was about to get real good, you know what I mean? But I need to keep going. (laughs) in that Passover story. See, that's why when I was a kid, I was wondering, why do they show the Ten Commandments over Easter weekend? Because Easter weekend is about Jesus on the cross. It's about the resurrection. What in the world does Moses and Egypt have to do with Jesus on the cross and the resurrection? My friend, it has everything to do with it. Because in Exodus chapter 12, we see a picture. We see a picture of God's people. If you're not familiar with the story, Exodus, is when God's children are in slavery in Egypt and they're being forced to work for an ungodly, wicked king, pharaoh. They have harsh taskmasters and slave drivers. Though they're God's people, they're in bondage. They're not free to become who God has called them and promised them to be. But then all of a sudden, Passover comes. Throughout that story of the Ten Commandments, throughout that story of Prince of Egypt, you see how God begins to judge all the gods of Egypt, and he begins to do mighty miracles to bring them out. But the final night of their captivity, the final moment of their captivity, is the Passover meal. In Exodus 12, God begins to tell them, tomorrow I'm setting you free. Tomorrow morning you're walking out of Egypt. You're coming out of this bondage. You're coming out of the control of Pharaoh. You're throwing off those taskmasters and those, those chains that bound you and kept you back and small. And so the Jewish people, the Israelite nation, they would enter their houses, and in Exodus chapter 12, God tells them to take a lamb. And he says, you take that lamb, and when you sacrifice it, when you kill it, take the blood of that lamb, and I want you to paint it on the doorposts of your house, that wooden threshold upon that house, take the blood of that lamb and paint it across your doorways. And on the inside of that house, you you take that lamb, and it must be roasted. It must be roasted. It cannot be boiled. It needs to be burned, roasted by fire. And you eat this meal with this unleavened bread inside your home and and you prepare because tomorrow you're coming out and so Jesus is excited because this Passover speaks of that Passover there's a connection between these two moments in time and there's some truth I want to bring to your attention today you see The blood of that lamb as it was painted on that wooden doorpost reminds me of another lamb. The Bible tells us in the book of John when John the Baptist saw Jesus in John chapter one, verse 29, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming across the riverbank and when he sees him, he declares something. The Bible says the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You know, not just the sins of the chosen few, not just the sins of those who are pretty and are perfect, but the Lamb has come to pay for the sins of mankind. Sin was an infection that infected all of mankind, and Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and to be the answer and the atonement and the payment for the sin of mankind. John said, behold, the Lamb of God, that takes away the sins of the world. In your Bibles, you can write these verses down. First Corinthians chapter five, verse seven, the Bible speaks of Christ as the Passover lamb. So I want you to see today that that the Bible is showing you a picture of that first Passover and what Jesus represents. And so Jesus on this wooden door, this wooden cross, and his blood being painted upon, upon this wooden cross and threshold today is a doorway into a new life for you. Is a doorway painted in blood, the blood of the Lamb, for you? When Jesus was hanging on that tree, it was like the the hyssop branch that was painting the blood upon this wooden door. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, the Bible says, He is so rich in kindness and grace, that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son and forgave our sins. And he showered us with kindness along with all wisdom and understanding. You see, here's what I want you to see about this door. There we go. I wanna be careful that it doesn't fall on me. This is the picture that I felt the Lord was trying to help me help you today, and if you can get one thing today is this. Picture the door, picture the cross, picture the blood of the lamb on that cross, picture the blood of the lamb on this door. On this side, on this side of the door, look over here where the cameras can see it. On this side of the door, they were slaves. On this side of the door. They were underneath the authority of Pharaoh. See, Egypt was a picture of the world, of sin and the fallen kingdom of this world and the gods of this world. And Pharaoh was in charge of their lives. They couldn't go where they needed to go. They couldn't produce what they were called to produce. They were underneath the authority of a wicked king, and they were bound with taskmasters and chains that held them back. On this side of the door was hopelessness. On this side of the door was, a, was bondage. For a believer, for a Christian, you could say on this side of the door, the devil has his authority over your life. On this side of the door, like Pharaoh, Satan has become the ruler of your life. On this side of the door, there are chains and bondages and addictions and sin patterns and regrets and sorrows and pains and curses that hang on to your life and keep you from moving and becoming everything God has called you to be on this side of the door. But you know what? The next morning as they passed through that blood, as they passed through that wooden door, as they came out the other side, they came out free. They came out new. They came out with no more chains, no more bondage. Pharaoh had no more authority over them. Pharaoh had been defeated and made a spectacle. Come on now, somebody. Jesus led captivity captive, and He's led you out in freedom. Oh, and not only that, they came out wealthy and prosperous. They came out being paid for all the work that was stolen from them, all the wages that were owed, God restored it unto them. Amen. And do you see, it was just as simple as this. It It was sweatless on their part. They didn't go take on Pharaoh, they didn't go take on the kingdom of Egypt, they didn't have the authority to do that, but God did. God stepped in, and the blood of that lamb painted on that door, and when they stepped through that door, they came out new. They came out free, they came out whole. They came out whole. Matter of fact, the Bible even tells us in Psalms that there wasn't one sick or feeble among them. Not only did they come out free, they all came out healed. They all came out healed. Oldest to the youngest, not one sick or feeble among them. And see, I see the same thing when I see this cross and I see the blood of Jesus upon this cross. I see Jesus saying, I am the gate, I am the door. And no one comes to the Father but through me. This is the doorway to life. This is the doorway to freedom. This is the doorway out from underneath the devil's foot, out from underneath generational curses and sins, out from underneath your past and your regret and your shame. This is the doorway, the blood of the Lamb upon this doorway. On this side, let me do it the other way so it looks better. On this side, you're lost in sin. On this side... You're lost and defeated under the devil's foot. But when you come through that blood, when you come through that sacrifice, that Passover lamb being slain for you, killed for you, sacrificed for you, you come to this side, you are free indeed. He who the Son has set free is free indeed, is free indeed, amen. It's nothing you could earn, it's nothing, it's no battle that you fought. He fought that battle for you. I said it earlier today. Listen, my friends. God did not defeat the devil for his behalf or for his sake. He didn't defeat sin for his sake. He didn't lose his authority. He didn't go underneath the devil's foot. We did. He was still champion over Satan before the cross for himself. But we were slaves. We were lost. And so that victory wasn't for him. That victory is for you. That victory is for me. Because he wasn't satisfied to be the one over the enemy. His kids needed to be made over the enemy. His kids needed to be released into the freedom and the fullness for which he had destined them to live in. Amen. That's why that Passover was so big, because it was a coming out of Egypt. And for us, it's coming out of the world. It's coming out of the kingdom of darkness. It's coming out from the devil's control. It's coming out from all the taskmasters and sins that so easily beset you. You may still have to work out your salvation with some fear and trembling once you give your life to Jesus, but let me tell you something, that sin no longer has dominion over you. It's no longer bigger than you. No addiction, no weapon of the enemy is bigger than you anymore because you've come through that door, you've come through that blood into God's destiny for your life, Amen? amen? I wanted to say this as well. Why did the lamb have to be roasted with fire? Why was God so clear on that? Because when Jesus was on this cross, when his blood was on this cross, when he, the lamb, was on this cross, The fire of God's wrath and judgment for our sins was poured out upon that lamb. That's the fire. That's what it represented when they roasted the lamb with fire in the Passover meals that they'd been doing for thousands of years. That's what it was symbolic of. It was God's wrath and judgment being poured out upon that sacrifice, that offering, what what they as a family would have earned or deserved. See, they would take their lambs to the temple and to the tabernacle, same thing they would take lambs later on and they would would, would burn it with fire upon the altar of God. The fire of God would be poured out, the judgment, hear it again, the judgment of God would be poured out upon that lamb. The fire would be poured out upon that lamb. Now for every other lamb throughout the Bible, the fire would consume the lamb. But when it came to Jesus the lamb, the lamb consumed all the fire. So there's no more judgment, there's no more wrath, because Jesus the Lamb was an overpayment for our sin, was an overpayment for what we had done. Did you understand that? That's why there's no wrath remaining for you who are in Christ Jesus. There's no judgment remaining for you who are in Christ Jesus. People think that God is out to get them, that God is out to judge them. God came down to take your judgment, to take the wrath that belonged to us. God is not trying to keep you from him. God is calling out for you to reconcile to him because he has a future for you. He has a destiny for you. He has eternal life for you. God is not against you, my friend. He's trying to rescue you. He's trying to bring you out of slavery and bondage. And all you have to do is receive this gift and just say yes and step into new life. The scripture I couldn't get out of my spirit this morning. I've been praying for you for weeks, knowing today was coming. But I just felt this scripture, and it's not even on the screen. I kept telling them, guys, I can't stop playing with this message. It's just stirring so much in my heart. So just, if you don't have the verses on the screen, it's fine with me, because we're just going to see what God does with it. This is where we're at. Luke chapter 4 is what was burning in my heart for you this morning. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19 from the old Amplified Bible. Jesus said this, and I believe he was speaking prophetically about what he came to do. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said. And I believe that's where we are today. The Spirit of the Lord is upon this house, and He's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. And I'm here today to preach good news to you, good news about this Resurrection Sunday. He has sent me to announce release to the captives. Why? Because it's Passover, and because the blood of the Lamb has been spilt and wiped across that door. Now walk through the door to announce release to the captives recovery of sight to the blind. Listen to this one. Listen to this one. To send forth as delivered those who are oppressed. I am here today to send you forth as delivered delivered from bondage, delivered from sin, delivered from addiction, delivered from guilt, delivered from shame, delivered from sickness, delivered from disease, delivered from blindness that, that 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 clouded your eyes and you couldn't see the future. You couldn't sing because He lives, I can face tomorrow. But today you can see it. I declare it to you. I preach your freedom to you. I preach your release to you today. There is an anointing that you leave set free today as you walk out the doors of this church that you see yourself as crossing from death to life. You are in a new you. You are in a resurrected life, no longer dead. You are alive, never to die again. Your body may fall off one day, but you, my friend, will never die. You will live on in an eternity. Amen? And you have been made the righteousness of God and you are now sons and daughters of God. You may change location, but you will live forever. Come on now. And God deals with you And interacts with you as a son and a daughter now. The moment you say yes to Jesus, you become son and daughter, heir of the kingdom of God, access to His throne. Amen? You don't become more His child because you die and go to heaven one day. The position of who you are in Jesus begins the moment you say yes, the moment you step out of the old into the new. And it's a gift that's just received. He has sent me to announce release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. For some of us, the world, sin, just the culture we live in does a good job of taking away our hope for tomorrow. We don't have the ability to see anymore. We don't have the ability to have vision anymore. The devil loves it when you just live to survive. My friends, you weren't born to just survive. You were born to be the children of God on the earth. The world, the earth, is longing for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. You are the salt. You are the light. You are the body of Christ in this world. You are the answers to this world's problems. And the enemy would love to come in and to shrink down who you are in your eyes. And God today is trying to show you in a greater way that he has set you free to become a nation of kings and priests, to become a nation of filled with his love, filled with his answers, filled with his anointing and solution, to go into all the world and preach this good news, amen. He wants to give you vision back. He wants to give you vision back, to set forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, who've been bruised, who've been crushed, who've been broken down by calamity, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and free favors of God profusely abound. That's what we're doing today. Today, I don't know where you are in your relationship to the Lord, but I want to challenge you that that resurrected life, when Jesus came out of the tomb, it's like when Israel came out of Egypt. They weren't slaves anymore. It was a new life, a new life filled with authority, filled with potential and filled with hope, filled with covenant promises, and that's what you have today. That's where you are today. Step out of that old life, step out of those old bondages, and just let Jesus do that work. He paid for that work for you. Receive it today. I wanna talk to you about resurrection just for one second. One of the things I love about the resurrection side of the door, the resurrection side of the door, that it's linked into Jesus' resurrection. Because the Bible says he is the firstborn among many many brethren. When he came out of his tomb, he was giving us a reality, a picture, an image of you coming out of of your tombs, you coming out of your graves. But I want us to see something that it's, it's not just theological or metaphorical. Like when Jesus came out of the tomb, out of the grave, it was real, it is real. Sometimes we leave it all up in the sky somewhere, like, oh, that's good theology, or that's good teaching, or that's a nice idea. This resurrected life in Christ is a reality, not a theology. When he came out of that tomb, he conquered death, hell, and the grave, never to die again. And then he could be touched. He went and met with his disciples, and they could touch him, and they could eat with Him and they fellowshiped with Him. What I want us to see today is the reality of this new life in Christ is real. The eternal life you're going to experience is real. It's not just Bible stories. It's real life. It's real authority. It's real victory, amen. The Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians, I think it's in Ephesians that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. I want you to see that today, because that resurrected Jesus is a picture of who you are now. Your body may not be resurrected yet. That's coming, amen, that's coming. Some of you might wanna put an order in for you know, how tall you would like it, and maybe some extra hair or you know whatever. That new body's coming but when you give your life to Christ and you walk through that door, you've experienced resurrection already on the inside. You're eternal already as a spirit being. Are you understanding this? And that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. I like to say it like this. That same hell-defeating, Satan-stomping spirit, Listen to me, my friend. Before you clap, wait a minute. I want you to get excited. But before you clap, if there was one thing in human history the devil would have stopped if he had the power to stop it, it would have been the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But he couldn't stop it because Sunday morning came. The stone was rolled away and Jesus came up out of that grave. He came out of that tomb. What I love about this, I just want you to hear this. Jesus didn't just get like, okay, Lazarus, Jesus raised Lazarus, it's a story in the New Testament, Lazarus, he died, Jesus brought him back to life, but Lazarus died again. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus wasn't just brought back to die again. What Jesus did was He punched a hole through death, hell and the grave, and came out the other side of it. Are you understanding that? Never to die again. Death is defeated. Sin is defeated. Satan is defeated. And that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that the devil couldn't stop dwells in you, my friend. Now, as a believer, as a child of God, and it's real. It's not theology, it's not flannel graph stories, it's reality. Touch, handle, eternal. Amen. And it begins the moment you say yes to Jesus.